Hi, True Believers. This is Stan Lee, and I want to be sure to see you at my Los Angeles Super Comic Con on October 28th to 30th. And be sure to use code MELTDOWN for 12% off your tickets. Excelsior! Welcome to the History of the Batman with London, brought to you by Meltdown Comics and Collectibles in Hollywood, California. This is where we relive the defining moments of one of the most iconic figures of literature and art, the Batman. History of the Batman is produced and engineered by me, Mason Booker, and now I'm the co-host. And from the shadows, maybe he'll say something, maybe he won't, we never know. We are joined by Shadow Adam. London, how are you? I'm doing rad today. Rad. rad. I love you know, it. I like when I use R H A D D. We love it. <laughs> What's been going on? Oh, lots of things. Uh, name, we four. Actually, name four. Name <laughs> four. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one that I really want to talk about, which we will, which yeah. we did in the last episode, okay. uh, was uh, I'm working with Warner Brothers. Heck yeah. And uh, talking about their studio tour, Heck which is yeah. amazing. The studio tour was mind blowing. Yes. I had, I achieved two life goals <laughs> on that tour. Yeah. And just still working with Batman and comics and anytime. Love it. Reading Batman is just a joyous time for me. It's good times. So it's fine. All right. And I'm very excited today. Yes. Because we have a very special guest with us, which I'm always excited to have guests. It's always wonderful. It is. It is a, a it pleasant, is. Uh, a pleasant experience. <laughs> yes. So our guest today is a writer and producer. If you watch the TV show Supernatural, Criminal Minds, Cold Case, I'm sure you're familiar with him. And also he's a comic book writer, an awesome comic book writer. And he wrote the New 52 Suicide Squad, Volume 4. Here with us today is Adam Glass. Hi, how is everybody? Hello. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much. Oh, I love being here. This is awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Anytime a chance to talk about Batman. Yes. Is, uh, a time to be had. <laughs> well, this is what we do. This is what we do show. all the time, every week. It's like you're inside my mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can only dream. <laughs> so, yes. we will dive into Suicide Squad and your work on the book. Oh. But tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now or you're writing for TV, which I think very cool. Yeah, uh, co-running a show called Criminal Minds Actually Beyond Borders, a spin-off of Criminal Minds. Oh, okay. Cool. Created by cool. that showrunner, Erica Messer, who is one of the most amazing people in the world and have been very fortunate to come in and co-run this show with her. Stars Gary Sinise. Yes. Lieutenant Dan. Coming uh, off of CSI and Y. Yeah, yeah, CSNY, yeah. Um, and it's just been a joy. We travel the world and save Americans in trouble, and it's been a lot of fun. I think the fun part of it is getting to sort of explore different cultures. Cool. And cool. I just like writing bad guys. So <laughs> sicker, crazier, weirdest things. The last year I so did. So then I, you were perfect for suicide. Oh yeah, no, there's no <laughs> doubt. Like that. Uh, that's we'll get into that story yes. too. Um, <laughs> but uh, like last year, I got to explore a couple of different things. So I. I think I did a cannibal, you know, down in Central America. Mm. I did a, um, a 
guy who went around and made things look like suicides actually in Japan where suicide is you know considered very traditional and honorable um, and then I actually did a story that I loved in Egypt where somebody went around with a gas mask and gassed and killed people. Yeah. So it was my <laughs> twisted dark version of the Sandman, always, old school Sandman, World yeah. War II Sandman. <laughs> I always wonder if, um, as a writer, you obviously have to do a ton of research, so your internet search history must just look bizarre and macabre. <laughs> and I often wonder if, does any does the government ever flag you on that stuff? Well, no, not yet, but I'm sure if I ever try to run for any kind of political office, which I don't plan on doing, <laughs> right. I already sort of know that's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I have no ch Well, wait. <laughs> Donald Trump has a chance. Oh. <laughs> I guess I do have a chance. Oh, no, you're scaring <laughs> me yet again. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. We have actually FBI agents who work for us in the office. Too. Oh, wow. Locked and loaded um, so it's always interesting and you, you remind yourself we'll be sitting there talking and I'll turn to one of them uh, there's you know Tim and Bobby and I'll be hey guys uh, you have any stories here and they're like oh yeah I remember the time we went down there and they cut their head off and you know their insides are written. and you're like oh god oh, stop, <laughs> stop. <laughs> you know it's funny I, I remember asking actually uh, myself this question is if I went in and did this job could I shut it off when I left mm -hmm. you know because take you're, it home you're, hearing some dark, dark stories, and most of them are true, and uh, I seem to have no conscience at all. <laughs> I seem to go home and sleep really well, and uh, the check clears, and I, it doesn't seem to bother me at all. <laughs> so It's, you know, that's that's the success, I guess. <laughs> the success, yeah, exactly. Money makes everything seem okay. Right. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, doing that, uh, writing a book for Aftershock called Rough Riders, which yes. is a dream come true, and it's been awesome. And actually, we just got picked up to do the second part of the series. I wrote seven, and now I'm going to write another six. Oh, wow. This is a, a comic? Right. Yeah. Um, Rough Riders is basically um, League Extraordinary Gentlemen <laughs> has been sort of what it's been oh, compared okay, cool. to. Yeah, but nice. it's, my characters are real. They actually existed historically. Cool. Teddy Roosevelt is basically brought in by what I call the Four Horsemen, who are the richest men in the world, J.P. Morgan, Rockefeller, and Vanderbilt, and all and such. And they have a problem, and they need Roosevelt to sort of deal with it. And this is before he's president, and this is 1898. And they say uh, there's basically something has gone wrong in Cuba, and it's what will become historically known as the Spanish-American War, but what it truly is is an alien invasion. At least that's what we think it is. And so Roosevelt has to put the team together of the greatest, you know, minds and strengths. So he grabs a gunslinger named Annie Oakley, and he grabs <laughs> a young street musician from Coney Island named Harry Houdini. Nice. And he grabs the first black heavyweight champion of the world, who's only a contender at this point, named Jack Johnson, a gangster named Monk Eastman, and the very successful uh, Steve Jobs of his time, uh, um, and uh, Mr. Thomas Edison. Right. So, and they go and they basically fight this uh, cool invasion. So it's really cool. What? I dig it. I, I need really, to read this. It's right awesome. Now. It's awesome. <laughs> the whole amazing. the whole book, all the series comes out in December. December. We the, we're two. I think we have two issues left. So doing that, loving that, um, and I have another book out called Brick right now, which is with Oni Press, and ba basically Brick is the story of. The way I said it to him, I said, what if you're a 12, 13-year-old boy and you have the remote control to a Frankenstein monster? <laughs> and so what it is, it's about a boy who creates his own golem in Yonkers, New York. And it's really sort of semi-autobiographical, minus the golem. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean. Hey, you're right, right what you know. <laughs> you're right what you know. Uh, it's been compared a lot to sort of classic tales of Spider-Man and everything like that, which cool. I think is, is an honor. Um, you know, I always say, what's the familiar idea with the fresh take on it? 
And so it does speak about all the same issues that I think sort of young early Spider-Man, which obviously influenced me, you know, a lot. Not quite as much as Batman, but ah. uh, was was there because <laughs> yeah. there you start with Batman and then there only is Batman. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but you you couldn't get a bigger Batman fan here. I was actually laying in bed last night thinking of him. Yes, I'm a grown man with two children, ah. and I actually find myself laying in bed thinking of Batman. Um, <laughs> I'm so, sure London can relate. Yeah. I can relate. Everyone get in line. I, yeah. I'm laying in bed. I didn't say I was thinking of him in that way. Oh. <laughs> I was just thinking of Batman, <laughs> but. Uh, Somehow my plan to become Batman didn't quite work out, but uh, it never does. No, I mean <laughs> when I was a kid, it was like I'm going to join the military, right? And yeah. then I'll give me the training, and I'll get to travel the world because I wasn't a millionaire when I was a kid, like like Bruce Wayne. Right. But I figured, you know, I'd go a different road. Sure. Somehow become a millionaire. And, along and the way. you'll arrive at the same. <laughs> arrive the same place. <laughs> I but uh, once I realized I wasn't marine material, that sort of all mm. went out the window. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so those are the things I'm doing, and uh, there's some talk possibly about doing some more stuff with DC Comics. We're just That's circling great. and trying to figure that oh, out. So I can't wait That's awesome. That happens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, me too. That would be awesome. Yeah. Apparently, there, there are some big writers on Batman, so he's not a villain. <laughs> but, but, yes. but outside of that, you know, <laughs> some well, so guy you... named Scott Schneider, I don't hey. know. <laughs> and I hear he's okay. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're, we're hoping he'll come. We'll We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> But so you've you, you've clearly been influenced heavily by Batman, like so. One right. of the, one of the I, questions is always is always have you always been into comics? Have you read Batman comics? That's usually yeah. Um, you know, look, I'm of that generation that you know I did remember it was obviously in reruns by the time I was growing up, but I do remember being a kid and seeing the Batman TV show with Adam West yes. and you know the na, 66. Na, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, which, by the way, the other cool thing was when they did the. DVD, uh, compilation, whatever anniversary oh, it yeah, was. Yeah, the box set or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. They asked me to come, and I did a bunch of behind-the-scenes, and they interviewed me. What? Which was That's really cool. So cool. That's really awesome. awesome. So you got to meet Adam West. Uh, did not meet Adam Aww. West, but, um, <laughs> but did get to talk about him. Cool. So um, I think that, obviously, you see that as a kid, and then I had an older... Uh, I had an older cousin, and also there was a kid. You know, so oh, it was funny. Here's here's my shout out. So there was a kid who lived in my building. He actually lived the floor above me. He was a few years older than me, and it's like one of these people that like you probably if I ran into the street would never remember me because you know. <laughs> but he had such an influence on me because he gave me all his comic books to read. And his name was Eddie Pagan. So big shout out to you, Eddie Pagan, wherever <laughs> you are, because yeah. you got me on this road of yes. comic books and creativity. Thank you, Eddie. and thank you, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so, uh, yeah, so I started reading comics at four years old. Like, wow. I just remember wow. them always being around and picking them up. Maybe my cousin, maybe this kid, Eddie, who gave me a bunch of his. And I just remember, uh, you know, all the Batman comics. And this is the 70s. So there were just, maybe it was what they liked, and I just started reading it. You know, I always say this. Marvel has probably the better heroes, but DC has the greatest hero. Uh, uh, that's, a, that's a fair bet. Batman <laughs> is, is you know, I, I think what we love and what I know I love about Batman is he's us, you know. He's, right, he's a, he's a regular person right. who right. has achieved. Yes. We, we've talked about this on the show before, how yes. Batman is, quote unquote, a mere mortal who essentially walks with gods yes. and holds his own. Yes. Because he, he can't. Right. Yes. And he still stands. And, and, and to that end, I think there is some similarities to him as Marvel characters, because I feel like you just said it. Like, I think in DC, 
the heroes are gods sure. who want to be men. Right. And I think in Marvel, they're men who want to be gods, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then there's Batman, who <laughs> right. just wants to be Batman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, who thinks he's better than man and God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, well, he's, uh, he's struggling. He's struggling. He's struggling. <laughs> I don't know how much of a struggle it is. <laughs> I think he's pretty sure of himself. Yeah. But, but so, yeah, uh, loved comics and grew up with them. Uh, when I was, once again, I can only go back to when I was a kid. Um, you know, uh, Denny O'Neill was uh, writing Bat- a lot of Batman. So I remember him very fondly, um, you know, and then that sort of was my gateway drug into like, you know, Teen Titans. Sure. And reading Marv Wolfman and George Perez and all those guys and Judas Contract, which just blew my mind at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Slade Wilson, Terminator, was sleeping with a uh, underage girl who smoked cigarettes. Mm, Tara. (laughs) What? Yeah. mm, I mean, 1983, baby. Can you imagine writing that book now? You haven't talked about this yet. (laughs) Can you? I I mean, you couldn't even write that book now. (laughs) No. We actually, on on our previous episodes, uh, London has been going through the 70s and talking about just the craziness and yet the the artistry that that is going on. Yeah, no, this is... So and, and you were in a even, great era to oh, yeah. start reading oh, comics. Oh, yeah. No, Speedy becomes a heroin addict, you know? I'm like yes. seven. I don't even know what a heroin addict <laughs> is. I'm like, I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was it was uh, definitely comics. I, I actually think I was really fortunate to sort of come up at a time where comics really started to evolve into a place where they did become more adult, you know? I'm right at the perfect... When I go off to college is like when Dark Knight comes out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I remember I went to SUNY Albany in upstate New York. I grew up in New York in the Bronx. And and then we went upstate and uh, actually saw trees for the first time in my life. <laughs> and, uh, but I found a local comic store and I would walk there, you know, and get my comics. Uh, I think back then, was it every Wednesday or Thursday? I can't remember. It's got to be, gotta be or Wednesday. Tuesday. I, oh, no, Tuesday. I it used to yeah, be Tuesday. It used to be Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See? Um, <laughs> And then uh, we'd go down there, but I, you know, that comes out and, you know, you just, you, you have this, you know, Frank Miller just, you know, sort of explodes and Neil Gammon explodes and, you know, you have all this, this British influsion coming in and everything like that. And then Hellblazer gets big and I just, all these books, you know, just started to sort of mature as I was maturing. So it was sort of perfect timing and, uh, you know, just continued my love of comic books till this day. I don't get to read as many anymore mm. as I used to because I'm a little busy right. and I, I got to spend time with my kids apparently. Um, <laughs> you in there reading comic books? Well, you don't, you don't. Most dads uh, are watching porn. I'm, I'm yeah. the guy, like you know, in the in the thing reading, you know, reading a comic book. My wife's like, "Really? It's Sunday. You're gonna read a comic book? <laughs> <laughs> Go out and throw a ball with your kid." Mm, yeah. So, <laughs> gotta make uh, sure they don't end up underage smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. With, uh... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, clearly, you've been a comic book fan for a long time. Did when did you? know that you wanted to write I know you've worked on television shows prior to really diving into the comic book industry but when did you start writing and how did you get into the television writing business well, I, I was a feature writer, and uh, I smartened up and realized that was, business was dying at the time, and I had gotten married and had a kid, and I was like, I need to make a steady check. <laughs> and uh, actually, I had a really close friend of mine who was sort of an up-and-coming actor, and I went to him and said, we should do a TV show. And uh, he he said, yeah, we should. And we came up with an idea, and we sold it, and we got the show on the air. And um, that show was called All About the Anderson, starring Anthony Anderson, who is now the lead star of Blackish, yes. and an amazing, great actor and awesome friend. So we did that, and then uh, little did I know that it would only get harder for me after that, <laughs> because <laughs> that show went off the air, and then I did a couple of gigs here and there, and then decided really... 
I was sort of, you know, we're talking about evolving and growing. I really didn't want to do comedy anymore personally. I love it. I always respect it and thought, you know, funny people are, you know, really spuntly talented people. But I my, I was changing and I wanted to write more dramatic stuff. So um, I actually did a show called The Cleaner, which uh, starred Ben Bratt. And then that show led me to Cold Case, which I loved and worked on for a few years. And then that job led me to Supernatural, which was probably the greatest blessing of my life. Um, I was a fan of the show going in, and I couldn't believe it was one of those jobs you got, and you're like, yes, I can't believe it. I remember, actually, I was up for NCIS. uh, L.A. wanted me. And as much as I love LL Cool J, uh, (laughs) I remember saying, no, I want to do Supernatural. And my agent called me and said, let me get this straight. You want to go to CW over CBS? Right. I said, it is just such a great written show. Um, and I said, I just think that, and they were like, that show's only going to go another year. This was season five. They said, it's only going to go another year. Here we are, 12 seasons. Um, And I went on that show, and not only did I learn so much, but I just loved writing it. I loved, you know, everything about it, the actors, the fandom, all that stuff, and it really, actually, that access opened me up because, um, take a step back, I had written a couple comic books because I was actually walking the strike line for the Writers Guild. I started talking to this guy named Mike Benson, who was a writer on Entourage and a couple other things, and he's doing a book called Moon Knight at the time. And he started talking to me just like we're talking. And he's like, wow, you really know your comic books, man. You know, And I was like, yeah, no, I love comic books. And he's like, I'm doing this book and I'm sort of struggling. This book called, uh, at the time it was called Deadpool, uh, Suicide Kings. And he written two of them. He was struggling breaking the third story. And I helped him break the story, and he said to me, oh, can you help me with another one? I said, if I can co-write it with you, I would. (laughs) (laughs) So he asked Axel Alonzo, and I sent a sample to Axel, who's now the president of Marvel Comics, and that's really how it all started. And so I started writing Deadpool, and then Dead Deadpool Pulp, which I loved, and then Luke Cage Noir, and I just sort of had this whole thing, and I was working with Mike, and I had never really worked with a partner before, so... Um, I wanted to get back. Nothing against Mike. I loved working with Mike. In fact, the book I'm doing, Brick, was a book I wrote with Mike. Um, but I wanted to do something by myself. And I actually, I was at Comic-Con in San Diego. And this guy came up to me and he said, oh, my God, you're Adam Glass from, from you know, uh, Supernatural. I said, yeah. And he said, uh, I'm going to mess up his last name. I can never say it right. But a uh, guy from marketing, his name's Matt, and he works over at DC Comics. And he said, I'm a big fan. Why aren't you writing for us? Hmm. And I said, well, I said, because no one's offered me. <laughs> so he brought me over to the DC booth, introduced me to Dan Didio, who also ah. happened to be a big comic book fan. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, a Supernatural yeah. fan. So we started talking Supernatural, everything like that. And they said, well, we have this book coming up, a JLA annual 80 Mm -hmm. and uh, they said you know we need some story for it so I was like I talked to their guys and uh, I ended up doing this book for them I did Dante's Inferno basically Mm -hmm. the GLA goes through Dante's Inferno Mm -hmm. and then that was sort of the experience that got me into into them with DC two quick funny stories Um, first is so then the next book I do for them is they call me and said, would you like to do uh, Legion of Doom? I said, yes, mm-hmm. yes I would, <laughs> very much so. They said, great, can you meet Jeff Johns in like three hours? <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah, sure, <laughs> and everything like that. So I work up my whole thing, and, and I go, and I sit down with Jeff Johns, and I'm like, let me pitch you what I got. And he goes, no, no, he goes, so let me tell you what we're doing. Okay. I said, oh, okay, what are we doing? They said, so it's Legion of Doom, we're doing this thing called Flashpoint. Yeah. And he pitched me this whole thing, and I said, oh, that sounds awesome. I'm like, yeah, so how's the Legion of Doom fit in this? And he goes, 
So there's no members from the Legion of Doom. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, what do you mean there's no, no, no. I'm like, really? I mean, I, no Black Mantra? There's no, like, I was like, what, Sinestro? And he's like, nope. And he's like, it's Heat Wave. <laughs> and I was like, Heat Wave? <laughs> he goes, mm, yeah. And, and, and so I wrote that book, and it was really funny because I wrote that book, and I was so, I think, coddled at Marvel because that or DC fans are just much more crazy passionate on the internet <laughs> because I had nothing but rave reviews my whole writing right, career. Right. And all of a sudden, I wrote this book, and people were like, am I allowed to curse on here or no? Uh, you can. You can. You can. <laughs> it was literally like, go to hell, Adam Glass. <laughs> you, you suck, Adam Glass. F you, Adam. I mean, it was literally like just crazy like they hated the book I did I ended up doing like this prison 70s story that I wanted to tell <laughs> and they hated it and I thought oh well there goes my comic book career yeah. but DC loved what I did and they came to me afterwards and said hey if you could choose any book in our library that's not Batman or Superman <laughs> <laughs> which was the first hard what's left what's left one woman what would you do and I said um, Suicide Squad Hell I said, yeah. oh, really, why? And I said, I'm a big John Ostrander fan. I read the book in the 80s. Yes. I said, I loved it so much that it always stayed with me. And you guys really haven't done anything with it at that time for like 16 years or some crazy thing. Mm -hmm. uh, there was Secret Six, you know, Gail Berman, amazing writer. She did such a great job with that book. And I said, I want to do it, but I have one caveat. I said, uh, I want Harley Quinn to be the lead on the team. Ah. And they said, Harley Quinn? Harley <laughs> Quinn? They said, why would Harley Quinn be on it? And I said, because they remember they said grounded as much as possible. I said, well, okay, let's use your own, you know, psychology against you. Well, it, Harley Quinn, if you worked for you know a place like Arkham Asylum, and then you were turned by a prisoner there, they're not going to let you stay in in Arkham Asylum. They're going to ship you off somewhere else. Yeah. So. That sort of worked for a guy named Mike Martz, who was the head of DC editorial for the Batman family, because he's the guy who had to give me permission to use her. Mm. And everyone told me I'd never get her. Mike Martz, who now actually is the editor-in-chief at Aftershock, so we're you know obviously still working together and a great guy. Um, he said, yes, I get that logic. And he gave me Harley, and as they say, the rest is history. Because to me, uh, as fun as the Suicide Squad is, Harley Quinn, to me, was the thing that changed everything for the Suicide Squad, and I think why the book uh, became as popular as it did. No, I, I'm, I'm forced to agree. <laughs> no, I am, too. It's funny that, that it was your idea to use Harley, because I was going to say, how did Harley become part of Suicide Squad? Mm -hmm. This is the first time she's part of this team, but I love that you wanted her, and, and, and you described it the way that you did. Um, so going into Suicide Squad, you said you read like the John Ostringer books, and, was, and, I'm, and you can definitely see that influence in your writing and in the stories yeah. um, going into it did you craft the rest of the team did you pick the individuals yeah. or did DC or other writers or well, editors say well we have to have this core no I picked the team you know there were people I could use and not use I mm -hmm. r honestly didn't want originally I wanted Killer Croc but I had too many Batman characters. So they wouldn't give oh, it to me. Oh, okay. Because I was going to ask King Shark. Well, that's then... how I got King Shark. Yeah. Because once <laughs> he wasn't available. And I love King Shark. No. Um, you know, always the toughest thing with this book is how not to have the Star Trek red shirts, right? I mean, you just know <laughs> people aren't going to die. So, right. you know, trying to make those surprises was always, for me, the mm -hmm. issue. You know, um, you know, I remember, you know, in doing the book, you know, always trying to come up like with people that, you know, you would not expect to get killed, get killed. And it really was more about when I killed them or how I killed them, because, you know, um, that was the only way to really get away with it. 
you know, there was no other way to do it. Yes. So, um, but I remember, you know, doing the first first book, you know, and these are all the funny things when you look back afterwards. So the book um, gets, you know, they release all the previews for it. And um, one of my heroes, Jim Lee, wrote the cover, this cover, design of her. Okay. The design yes. of the costume. So even before the book came out, there's just all this controversy. Of course, because and her costume. The costume. Changed. And they yes. and once again I got a lot of FUs and go to hell and all the I used to tell my wife if I ended up dead with a balloon stuck in my ass, I was killed by a Harley cosmic. <laughs> because all those girls were so pissed at this Harley. Yeah, just just for our listeners who can't see, but you'll maybe you'll put it up on the Instagram. But it's um she I guess this is coming off of the Paul Dini design. Well, Paul Dini was the original designer. Right. Yes. right. This is more the Arkham Asylum, I think, design right. that it's started to become very. But it's, so she's also. in a corset. She's got red and blue hair. She's in skin tight clothing. Yes, it's the cover to I think Ryan Benjamin's final yes. cover. Yes, correct. Yes. Um, so a lot more skin. Yes. In show. So I'm sure it's yes, it is very different from the Bruce Tim animated series oh, yeah. to that, and just working with the character. Oh yeah. Um, what what did you pull? I mean, you can clearly see influence from animated series yeah. and even her other volumes, like when Terry Dodson was working mm-hmm, with her. Mm-hmm. And how much did you pull from those other influences and then put your own spin on her to work within yeah. the squad? Well, since you she's know, brand new. Yeah, I, like I always team. say, it's like familiar but fresh, right? Right. So like, I mean, I wanted to, obviously, the people who came before me, you know, this is a character they created. You know, what I always said about Harley, and this was a personal thing for me, um, I came from a home where I saw women abused, and I just have always had an issue with that. I always loved this character, but did not like the way the Joker treated her. Yes. And yeah. that was my personal thing. I get it's a cartoon. I get all those things. Oh, we've, you know, we've had stuff. extensive discussions about right. it. So I kept saying, this is, what is Harley without the Joker? Who is she without the Joker? I wanted her to have her own, what I called, solo album. Mm-hmm. You know, I kept saying, this is the Laura Hill. For her, and that's the way I kept saying it. It's like, and I want her to, you know, which was another issue for a lot of the fans, you know. I remember, like, now in retrospect, I think everyone has come to really enjoy and love this Harley. Yeah. But, but when I originally did it, people were like, you don't get the relationship and you don't understand. And I actually do understand. I think she loves the Joker very much, but I think within her love for the Joker is also her self destruction. Right. And I think that, you know, sometimes we do that. And, you know, and I wanted to see her mature and I wanted to see her grow up a little yeah. bit. Yeah. No, and- I think uh, we, we've on the show talked extensively about um how uh people will people will champion their relationship Definitely. and and yep. and we are like you don't understand the damage that is actually going on and it's it's uh frightening right yeah. this yeah. isn't a dynamic that you should want for yourself or for right. others or, well and yeah. then when i finally the joker came back people were like well you turned around and had them get violent i said i had her fight back mm-hmm. you know which yes. she never did mm-hmm. yes. like i had her say I'm done. Fuck Which you. Which those two issues for it's part of death of the family. Yeah. Those are like my favorite issues oh, in you. that story. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> yeah, because it's her going, I'm done. I'm not yes. your punching bag anymore. Right. I'm my own person. I found myself. I found another I found a family. Which is really what I wanted. You know, I remember everyone else went nuts like when she you know, um, she slept with Deadshot. And for me, it was like, once again, yeah. this is a grown woman who's making grown woman choices, right. who doesn't have to answer to anybody. Uh, and Albeit I, very impulsively. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sure. Yes, sure. But we yeah. do that. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, especially when you're, you're, this is my one day of freedom. Like, yeah. Let's do it. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm so, with you. So, 
you know, all those things was really a way for me to sort of bring Harley out of her past into her future. But at the same time, she's still Harley. She's still yeah. funny. She's still unpredictable. She still's crazy. She's still, you know, all those things. But I think the thing we forget about her, she's also brilliant. You know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a fine line between, you know, brilliance, you know, and genius and insanity, mm-hmm. you know, and. I think if you look at most people um, who are considered geniuses, they're they do walk that fine line. You know, Edison was pretty, you know, crazy guy. So was Albert Einstein. So was, you know, all these guys. Steve uh, Jobs. I was going to say the uh, the famous quote from Albert Einstein, looking at the insane asylum, is the the only difference between me and them is uh, I'm I'm in an office. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely right. And I think Harley, her intelligence got lost too. You know. Yeah, we we talked about that how. People people forget that she's not a ditzy blonde. Right. Yeah. She's, yeah. A, she's, she's a, a PhD. Yeah. yeah. PhD no. psychologist yes. who, you know, lifted herself from nothing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was the other thing. Like, all my scenes with her and the Joker was like, I tried to give that more even depth. Like, they had already done it. So in mine, I think, like, one of the things he does is an offering to her. He gives her the ring to, you know, the finger of the man who killed her father right. in a drunk driving accident, you know, yes. but it's sort of like his present to her to say, you know, and he's like, I would have got the whole body in here, but, you know, Servity, you know, <laughs> searches are a bitch in this place. But, you know, but once again, I was trying to sort of just go a step deeper. That's all. And say this relationship really was about somebody for her who, who, you know, looked inside and saw something and grabbed onto it. Like, you know, once again, like can't, you know, dismiss how smart the Joker is. Sure, right. You know, once again, this is this is Hannibal Lecter. You yeah, know, he's, times ten. He's, he's ins- a genius. Insanely, brilliantly manipulative. Absolutely, yeah. and it's what. And once again, like if Batman is the greatest hero, he is hands down the greatest villain in comic books. Sure, <laughs> you know, I mean, again, mere mortal, but contending with you know all this stuff and handling it swimmingly. Yeah, like, you know, and and, his, and then you know you get into the movies and Heath Ledger's interpretation of it is just to me just yeah. hands down brilliant. I, you know, I, I agree, yeah. uh, genius. And and I didn't. I, I actually liked uh, the newest version of it too. I would have liked to see more of it. Yeah, uh, that, I guess right. that's that's the question that I wanted to ask was you know clearly you've you've had a tr- the tremendous influence on the new Fifty Two, and that's they drew heavily from that yes, for the film. I, I would agree. What do you yeah. feel about the film? Well, you know, first I got to say, you know, mad shout out to David Ayer. He was very sweet. The first day of shooting, he had this book and the fir- the pages and the shot list there. Oh, cool. Nice. Next to each other. So it was a very nice uh, thing. And I talked to him a little bit after the premiere and, you know, his little deer in headlights and stuff like that. Um, you know, <laughs> I gave a quote um, about it that, you know, summed it up for me personally. But mm. I said, you know, I don't know if you like punk music. I, I love punk music. And sure. I know, and I know Peter Marietta loves punk music. Heck mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, for some people, when I would play punk music when I was younger, they didn't understand it, mm-hmm. but they sure liked what they heard. Sure. <laughs> so um, they might not understand the words, they might understand <laughs> what it is, but I didn't ever, everyone always tapped their feet. I think that's the Suicide Squad movie. I thought that it, it had great characterization. I thought um, it was fun as hell. Um, I think that, you know, in retrospect, if you know, they were to do it all over again. Maybe they'd agree with this. Maybe they wouldn't. But I think these are street level heroes, military size heroes. They're not save the world. Right. They're go kidnap this person, go rescue there. The dirty doesn't, you know. Mm-hmm. So I feel when you get into magic, I always kept magic out of the books. I didn't really want mm-hmm. magic in the books. Oh, so yeah. Enchantress wasn't in your. No, no. wasn't gotcha. in my thing. Like gotcha. I actually always me and Pat McCallum, who, you know, is also another unsung hero of this, this, this book. And he was my 
my editor and for the first seven or eight, and he was truly as in love with this book as I was, and we were really simpatical in doing this, but we both said no magic. Like, like let's keep magician, like let's keep this street level, let's keep everybody here with powers that are within, you know, outside of a shark that can talk, <laughs> you know, <laughs> walk around, you know. Well, you, we, I've discussed my views on King Shark. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so what were your thoughts on Killer Croc being in the film? Oh, since? I know. I was so happy. I was like, wow, that's what my Suicide Squad would have looked like. Right, right. But, um, but, but yeah, no, they put him in the movie. Um, you know, it was really funny. I'll tell you another quick story. I was at the premiere and, uh, this guy walks over to me, and the only way I can describe him is he looks like um, John Lennon's son. You know, but he, wearing John Lennon's white, Sean Lennon, right? He, he uh-huh. wearing his white, uh, you know, famous uh, suit that he wore with the black shirt. This guy mm-hmm. walks up to me, and goes, "Are you Adam Glass?" <laughs> and I said, "Yes." And he gave me a hug and kissed me. I mean, this big guy, and I'm like my wife's standing right next to me, and everything. He goes, "I'm Giant He goes, "I created El Diablo." And he goes, uh-huh. "And if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here right now." Uh, and I, it was cool, so nice. Yeah. And then I said to him, I said, well, I loved your miniseries because I remember reading it, you know, years earlier. And he said, you're the only person who read it. I said, no, that's not true. That's <laughs> lowest selling. He said something like lowest selling miniseries ever. I said, no, that's not true. He goes, trust me, it's true. <laughs> um, but I remember that cover, especially because it was done with that beautiful sort of like Day of the Dead Mexican art, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and I think he was laying like this with the skull yes. mask. So when they asked me once again to put the team together and I'm looking at the team, I'm like, OK, I got a woman. I got this. I got Black Spider. I'm like, I need. I need some Latin, you know, Latino flavor here. And I remembered that character. And so I brought El Diablo into it. And obviously, I thought Jay Hernandez did a great job and a really sweet guy. I met him afterwards. But um, once again, I think that for me, the movie works as sort of like going to a fun concert where you're going to hear all your greatest hits. You might not walk out of there and say (laughs) it was the most substance, but it was at the end of the day, it was a fun ride. Right. And that's what I felt about the movie. That's cool. This is Peter Marietta asking, why is the Latino guy got to get it in the end? <laughs> he, he, self, you know he self-sacrificed. He self-sacrificed, and who says he's dead? It's a demon, man. He's a demon. <laughs> Not for my book, by the way. <laughs> he didn't sacrifice. Oh, that, that's a good uh, spot. Let's take a quick break so we can hopefully pay some bills. If anybody would like to reach out to this prime demographic, you can email me, mason at melcomics.com. We do offer advertising specials and you know get your get your word out to uh the audience but we'll be right back and we're back hey what's happening yeah so um that was an amazing story. That was an amazing bathroom trip. No, and trip. we're <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking about the Suicide Squad that yes. you write and the film that's out now yes. and the the influence that your book has had on the film and yes. especially Harley Quinn the character. And one of the things I wanted to talk about is her origin story because yes. it's a little different than the one presented in the yes. Paul Dini Bruce Tim yes. Bad Love, yes. and you can definitely see that in the film, and that's in the arc of the Hunt for Harley Quinn. Yes, and you do get to see more of Joker and Harley dynamic. Yeah, uh, what made you kind of? Well, I know you wanted to do something a little different, but yeah. still keep the core elements that she was a doctor and yes. she was working at Arkham and Joker was a patient and everything. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I've I've talked to some people about with the Joker kind of, it, well, in the book, he kind of pushes her mm-hmm. the bat and she falls in. And in the film, she kind of falls in willingly because mm-hmm. the Joker talks to her. What made you have Harley actually fall into the bat instead of what Paul Dini <laughs> presented of, I'm just... 
I'm just I love Joker. Well, so actually, I'm gonna... no, actually, in the Paul Dini version, they don't have her in the vat either. No. She never gets thrown in the vat. It's no. just in the movie version, right? Where she falls into the vat. Um, you know, and I, I, you know, you read afterwards. They always tell you don't read what people say, but it's impossible in this day and age to mm-hmm. read. So, you know, I remember reading one of the. I, I wrote it and thought. You know, oh my God, this is awesome. <laughs> you know, like I was so happy with it. <laughs> then I read a couple of people and they were like, he's taking away her free choice, <laughs> you know, and all this right. stuff. Um, to me, it's a little Bride of Frankenstein, which was a movie I always loved, and where Frankenstein tries to recreate, you know, they, you know, the Dr. Frankenstein tries to recreate uh, Frankenstein so he could have a lover. Mm-hmm. So, in that sense, um, the Joker being the monster and then trying to recreate it so that he can have someone that he can love. So yes. that's the way I saw it and what I, why I was doing it. And of course, you know, for me it was sort of the moment of grounding it again. Like I'm always looking for the grounding moment in this. So the, wait a minute, what am I doing? Holy shit. <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe we should just go back to Arkham. Yeah. I was, uh, <laughs> I think I, you know, like it was for me, like that helped her so that, you know, as a character, so she gets, you know, she does get thrown in and, and then of course it does have a reaction to her yes. and she's changed. Not as I'd say as much as he's changed, you know, uh, the other thing that I really like about that run is, um, you know, there's a moment where she goes back to, one of their hideouts and she says this is where i saw him like no one else saw him mm-hmm. when we were alone you know and she's talking about the man she loves who yes has a face that he wears out in public but there were those quiet moments between them and i think yeah. anybody who's in a relationship can relate to that sure uh, you don't know him like i know him. yeah exactly yeah. and then finally you know uh like when she takes his face and sticks it on dead shot <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is, is, which that's actually something I did want to ask you about. Now, when you learned that in the Detective Comics number one, when yeah. it was the reboot, and he takes off his face and puts it on the Arkham wall, how did I you- called them up and said, <laughs> Harley needs to go after that face. Okay. I said, there's no way Harley like, would. How did you work that I in? I said, there's no way to- that Harley wouldn't want that face. Yeah. <laughs> right. like, she would want it. And then they're like, what would she do with it? I said, I haven't figured that out yet. Yeah. <laughs> But let me figure it out. And then what I figured it out was she actually, its she thinks he might be gone forever. Yeah. She has unfinished business. Right. So she puts it on Deadshot, who is her most recent lover, mm-hmm. and puts it on his face. And she's having the conversation that she could never have with the Joker. Yeah. So, you know, it's this, you know, self- psychotherapy, psychotherapy right. thing right. for her. And then, of course, Deadshot shoots her. Yes. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right through the gut. Um a shot that he knows that she'll probably survive, mm-hmm. you know, is my guess. So, yeah, for me, it was really fascinating and interesting. And that's sort of why I did it, because I sort of wanted her to have this conversation with the Joker. At that point, I didn't know if the Joker's coming back. I didn't know, you know, that. I mean, right. He's always coming back. He's coming back. back, but I didn't know if I'd still be writing the book by sure, then. Sure. So, right. you know. And, and working with the other writers on the different books, on yes. Detective Comics and Batman, and within the Death of the Family crossover, what is the communication like to assure that your story within this crossover arc kind of well, flows really, with the greater It was really theme. interesting, actually, because I remember. Scott Schneider sort of had a plan mm-hmm. and I remember I like sort of sent him an email and you know just sent it off to him and said you know this is the plan and here's what I was thinking he wrote back cool awesome <laughs> and I remember being like, okay, all right, Good feedback. I'll go, I'll go do that. That's great. Like you know, so yeah, I mean, I, I will say this: the only frustration for me in writing Suicide Squad was uh, twofold. I I was given a lot of freedom, Mm -hmm. um, very little 
interruption or people think, but there did come a point where I think in, and you know, and this is part of playing ball, right? Uh, and being part of a larger universe, trying to help support other books, crossovers, things like that, you'd have a plan. And sometimes your plan is, you know, I'm very sort of efficient. I have a lot going on. So I'm like, you know, if they're like, hand this in in a month, I hand it in next week. I'm, right. you know, the A student. I'm like, come on, I need here it is, <laughs> approve it. And then I would go off and write it. And then they'd come back and say in the middle of my arc, like, oh, we need a crossover here with, you know. Uh, this book and then all of a sudden you find yourself going but my arc <laughs> and like, yeah wrap that arc up wrap it up that throw you off it threw me off a lot you know there are definitely look I mean I think I wrote 20 or 21 of these um, you know there are definitely issues that I love and then there are issues where I, I recognize that the writing you know got shorthanded because I had to go do something else mm-hmm. based off of the orders I was getting but I also, you know, understand it from their point of view. They're servicing a whole universe. Mine is just one book, yeah. you know, in this universe. So, you know, it's the two sides of my brain. There's the creative part of me that's like, oh, God, I'm so mad at you, DC. And then there's the other side of me is like, I totally understand you, DC. <laughs> so, so uh, but they couldn't have been fairer and cooler about this book. So, you know, there are a lot of things that I did. I actually, other funny, really quick story. I remember at the end of book one, you know, I leave it open like Savant got killed. Mm-hmm. And literally, like the next day, Gail Gail Simons sent me an email and said, "He better not be dead." <laughs> and I thought, "Oh my god, I love her!" Like, and here I am getting this email from her. Like she thinks I killed her character. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> but but um, it all worked out. But it all worked out. Yeah. So would you want to come back to Suicide? Gail Squad? Simone, right? Am I saying? Am I Gail, Gail Simone? Simone? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Gail Simon, I thought. Did I say Gail Simone? I just want to keep sure yeah. she'll kill Simone. me if I don't no, say her name right. <laughs> Simone. I'm sorry, Gail. Please. <laughs> we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> so would you want to come back to Suicide Squad? Suicide Squad? Uh, look, you know, if that door ever opened and it was the right time and the right story, mm-hmm. um, I would always love to write Suicide Squad. I, I love the characters and I have always loved the book. And once again, you know, I got to meet John Ostrander at the premiere, which yes, was a dream come amazing. true. What a great guy. What a great mind. Um, you know, we jokingly said, we'll do something maybe someday, you know, if, if the stars align. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I mean, once again, I, I, I'm such a fan of the book and series and I'm so happy and I'm, everybody who's followed seems to be doing great work and you know I just I hope Suicide Squad keeps going and going and going yeah is there a character that you wanted to add to your squad besides Killer Croc <laughs> but like one that you're like oh I would add oh I wish her. that character was in the book that's an interesting one um you know, I'm always, it's so funny, like, this This doesn't really answer your question. I love <laughs> femme fatale characters. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I love Black Canary. Like, I, I love the characters who kick ass and are a little dark. I liked Huntress. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was growing up, it was Earth 2's Huntress. Yeah, yes. what, about, what about Talia? Yeah, Talia. Yeah, yeah, I love there Talia. You there you go. I love Talia. <laughs> yeah. I adore Talia. Yeah, no, yeah. Talia's great. Raja Ghoul's daughter, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, she'd be good. She'd be great. She'd be great. On, she'd be uh, great on the okay. squad. In, she's in. I have to do the squad again. She's in. Let, I, me, let me know if you need a, a, a team team writer on that one. It's really funny. My mom's calling me. Should we put my mom on? Uh, if you want. If you want. You gotta hold sure. it up to the mic. Let's see. Hey, mom. Hey, how are you? I'm doing a podcast right now on Suicide Squad and Batman, and they asked how long have I been reading comic books. Since you're like three years old. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I have not read them, but you always were interested in getting them. I'm not fooling around. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Well, well it's everybody laughing. Because <laughs> uh, we're sitting here and I just put you on. You're literally, you're on a podcast. I'll let you know where you can listen and hear yourself speak. But can I call you back? I would like that. I think I could be with Brianna. Uh, so if you could call me back, sure. Okay, Mom. I'll call you back. Okay. All right, love you. Bye, bye. Love you. <laughs> she sounds adorable. <laughs> yes, she and You are lying. You've been reading comics here <laughs> since life. three. Since That's three. great. <laughs> yeah. She And then, you know, it's the old story. She got rid of them all. So, oh. fortune, fortune in comic books. but A million dollars. Yeah, gone. 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 I cleaned out your room. Oh. Uh, exactly. I held on to literally one box that still I still oh, have. Yeah? That has Silver Surfer 1 in it. Nice. Has the whole Judas contract run. Has uh, when Beta Ray Bill beats Thor and takes oh, his yeah. hammer. Um, has uh, all the Claremont X-Men. Cool. So like, I, it's this one box I've literally had for like 30 years. That's a great. long box I take everywhere with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I had nothing, I had that long box. <laughs> <laughs> but now, now, you, you, but you'll never sell it. It's, never sell it's it. Too much. I have a bunch of Neil Adam Batmans. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. There you go. So always comes back to Batman. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, back to Batman. So I, I have a question. Sure. Uh, we we touched on this earlier. Um, you 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 obviously redesigned the look for Harley Quinn. The movie I, has. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> no, Jim no, Lee did. Jim Lee did, but yes. for for your series, he has yes. a redesigned. Yes. Yes. yes, yes, right. And yes. then that got redesigned again for Suicide Squad. Yes. So I hear. That you have a daughter, a a a uh, underage daughter, I guess. Fifteen. Fifteen. Who mm-hmm. um, cosplayed as Harley oh, for yeah. oh, uh, yeah. for the for a convention for San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, yeah, SDCC. And I have uh, I will say that I was also at San Diego Comic Con uh, as dressed as Harley. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did see many many. Uh, people dressed as Harley, um, very revealing. Yes. Very uh, enticing. Yes. Uh, what What are your thoughts on this uh, this fad? And I guess particularly <laughs> particularly as as a father, karma. Yeah. Uh, how <laughs> karma comes back and bites you on the ass. Yeah. yeah. So um, twofold. When it first happened, and uh, they revealed it to me the day before we we're leaving for Comic Con, <laughs> my wife said, "You better not shame her." I'm like, "I, I would never shame <laughs> wow. her." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And she said, "You know, sort of." It was funny. It was almost like, you know, haha, new. Uh, we, my wife and I both agreed the shorts were too short, so we oh, had to right. go get her another pair of shorts, which only helped so much. <laughs> um, well, they're booty shorts. Yeah, they're booty shorts, <laughs> no matter what. And my little girl, unfortunately, has her mommy's booty, oh. so she got, she got a booty. Um, so she, uh, I walked behind her most of the time. Um, a lot of guys took pictures, and I want to believe it's because they're fans of Harley Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it was definitely a double-edged sword, right? You right. Know, you do it. You do it. Uh, it's funny. I always, you know, for me, it was always about the psychology of Harley Quinn, not about the sexuality of Harley Quinn. You know, mm-hmm. I have nothing to do with the art. That's an interesting thing. We've talked about this before. Would Harley Quinn be such an incredibly popular character if she wasn't mad hot? Well, you know, it's really funny. If you think about her in that Harley Quinn, you know, mm-hmm. sort of one-piece suit before they started over-sexualizing her, she right. was really sort of a you know, regular girl, you know, right. she, there was nothing really. And her character became very popular during that time. So I, I've always believed it's a bit about her character. You know, oh, absolutely. I, I mean, she, her character is very charming and very entertaining. Yes. No right. doubt. But um, I'm saying she became big. 
I think even before she got oversexualized. I think the oversexualization yeah. of her is really just part of sort of what they added to already something, you know, as she is big now, is she, yes, she's bigger now than she was ever right. before, right. to your point. Uh, but, you know, movie helps. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? I mean, Margot Robbie, yeah. Yeah, you know, right. really helps to take her into the stratosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I hear you, and it's definitely something, you know, I was doing a book, and uh, Patrick Olief is my... Uh, my um, artist on my book and we were talking about the scene and you know and and he's great he's been awesome and you know he did spider-man back in the day and he did a lot of different books and we talked about it and there was just one scene where i felt the girl was her bosoms were just a little too big and Mm -hmm. i said it to him and he said thank you you know he's like because he said you're right (laughs) oh okay he's like i'm not even thinking about it you're right right. they're too big oh sure i would imagine if if i was emerged uh, immersed in comic culture uh 24 7 and and the comic girls are the ones that are presented to me all the time as normal. Eventually, right. I would be like, yeah, and then that would lead to, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's just a, a skew, I guess. Yes, that's just the nature, I think, of where the business has gone. And those characters look, you know, all the men we could obviously argue are over-sexualized, too. I mean, you sure. Know, I mean, they're, they're all eight packs, yeah, and, eight packs, know. and everything like that. But I mean, we're in a culture of fantasy. Agreed. So Agreed. It, it, So everyone is like peak perfection of fitness. Yeah. And- well, well, and and to that end, actually, the other controversy of this book, which you know, if I have one regret, and once again, was not of my design, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I think if I could have gone back and fought even harder, it might not have made a difference. Is Amanda Waller? You know. Yeah, we talked yeah. about this where they redesigned her to be this like fit. Uh, right. Which I was like, that was unnecessary. Which is different yeah. from her, all the other people. Well, like, because I think him. she was real. You know, she felt mm-hmm. real. She right. felt like someone who lives in your building or someone that you'd see walking down yeah, the street. Yeah, exactly. With that said, I, I really went out of my way because I love the wall. Yeah. Um, and I went out of my way to really try to stay true to who she was, regardless of the way she looked. Yes. Cool. You know, when I was a kid and she, you know, I was reading those books and she put her finger in Batman's face and yeah. said, up, rich boy Which, yeah. <laughs> you know, and knew who he was and, like, yeah. and, and stood up to him. I was like, whoa. I said, she's standing up to Batman. Yeah. This yes. is a bad, bad woman. <laughs> like, right? Unstoppable. So, unstoppable. So always been a big fan of hers. But, you know, there's a perfect example where I think it backfires a little bit, you know, and us trying to make them more perfect. Mm-hmm. Sometimes what's beautiful about them is their imperfections, or at least right. the way exactly. that we, in, imperfection might even be the wrong word, is more like how they are a reflection of us, mm-hmm. you know? Because like you just said, it is the fantasy. You yeah. know, we all want to look like, you know, I want to be built like Bruce Wayne. Who doesn't want to yeah. be built like Bruce Wayne? Right. But at the yeah. end of the right. day, when you see someone that is someone that looks like you, feels like you, it makes you feel even more part of that universe in that book. Right. And it grounds it even more. No, definitely. So. I think that's why Batman is such a popular character, because we can relate to him in many mm-hmm. ways more than other characters. Yeah. I mean, I love Superman, but I've always said I'm not the guy to write Superman. You know, I'm more mm-hmm. of a Batman guy. I like the darkness. I like the groundness. I like he lost his parents and they, you know, he's on this thing and he can't get close to anybody anything like it's you know truly and and i really think this like if you look at daniel craig's bond i think Mm -hmm. him and you know bruce wayne's batman have a lot in common sure you know yeah like there's this this wall up you know and it's like i'm here to do a job you know and the job's more important than me or my life or my feelings or my emotions Mm -hmm. and uh and if i don't do it no one else can yeah 
Mm-hmm. In fact, Daniel Gregg would make a great Bond. <laughs> I mean, I great mean, Batman. Well, like, just... <laughs> not the. Bl- I don't. I don't see Batman as blonde. He'd see, have to dye they his didn't, hair. But they didn't see. They didn't see. They didn't see uh, Bond as blonde either. Remember, he was never blonde. That's true. See, he might change you. He might flip you. Though, look, let's all say it. I mean, I feel this way. I, I'm. I'll just state for myself. I actually think Ben Affleck is great as Batman. Oh, yes. oh yeah, no, I we enjoy, all agree about that. I enjoy his Batman. I enjoy his Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah, his Dude. Bruce Wayne's tight. His Bruce Wayne's tight. I mean, yeah. I believe it. Like he was the best part of that movie, and mm-hmm. I think he's the best part of like he just he just really feels like the character. I think yeah. he's great casting. Oh, I, you know? I, I agree with that. Um, I think we love the the you know the movies before that but it's not because Christian Bale is such a great Batman it's because the stories are great the direction's mm-hmm. great the bad guys are great it's almost like going back to the TV show in a dark, <laughs> but in a darker way you sure. know right. um, you Nolan's. garbage yeah Nolan oh but by, by, by the end of three like he's sta- there's one scene I'll never forget and I was like th- at this point I knew we just had sort of jumped the shark and no one cared anymore and just, just <laughs> Nolan's a genius and it didn't matter but it's like they're in some bank the bank robbery scene and he's standing there in broad daylight yeah Batman talking to them with like six cops around them and I'm like what happened <laughs> Batman would never be yeah. standing there like I totally was like back geeking out I was like that that would never happen Batman would never stand out in the broad daylight and do this scene you know yeah he, you know where is he in the shadows why is he talking to Jim Gordon on a roof somewhere right, right. why is he standing in the middle of a bank vault it's because he was getting ready to he's getting ready to give it up <laughs> give it up so one other thing I wanted to ask you I should sure. ask you earlier is you worked on Deadpool yes um, what was was there a difference with working with these characters, Suicide Squad for DC, yeah. and then working with Deadpool for Marvel? Like the writing, like the creative process-wise, yeah, yeah, yeah. like dealing with those characters, they're all kind of outrageous in their own yes. way. But was there like a difference in dealing with these characters, especially like one like Harley? Well, you know, look, I'd be a liar not to say to me that Harley has a lot of Deadpool influence in her, and I'm sure Deadpool has a lot of Harley influence. To me, mm-hmm. that's the crossover everybody wants to see. I actually, yes. I actually at the premiere talk to Jim Lee about it I was like <laughs> I said Jim it's what the fans want no. they want to see him and I, he, and he yeah. said very interesting <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't give me anything but I don't think there's any money for either of them in it but like to me that is the crossover everybody wants to see they mm-hmm. want to see Deadpool and Harley like they're kindred souls you know yes. brothers and sisters lovers I don't know well, now <laughs> you know? Deadpool's got Vanessa or whatever but I guess yeah, they, can, they can write that away yeah exactly you know but no I see tons Tons of fan art and everything with Deadpool and yeah. Harley, and I don't even well, know. Definitely how kindred would... souls. Yes. Yes, and I think Harley. That's, there's uh, a connection. Harley is definitely the Deadpool of, of DC Comics. <laughs> uh, Red Hood is another one. Oh, uh, you know, yeah. I actually had this conversation with uh, all. What of... do you feel about the Jason Todd Joker <laughs> theory? <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know the full theory. What's the full theory? Give it to me. Oh, it's that. Uh, well, you you, you should oh, tell. Oh, well, yeah. For the for the film universe, uh, people think that Jason Todd is is Joker. Oh, interesting. <laughs> that he was he was murdered, but that the the original Joker died during his murder, and then Jason Todd had his psyche, psyche yeah. split, and he. Right. He, the only way out was to become what you hate. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he became the oh, new that's... Joker. That is, there are many theories, and, but and that they is a they very corroborate this one. by pointing out different tattoos and different right. like cracks oh. on, his... on the suit. Oh, it's, and... it's yes. I, I, a very I, deep I wouldn't, theory. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> I gotta yeah. be honest. With you. <laughs> I wouldn't be mad. That sounds pretty cool to me. Um, my son's twelve years old, and him and his friends love 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 red hood and cool. i and i'm and i'm just like and i was trying to sort of figure it all out but if you think about it he's rebellious yes mm-hmm. 
you know, against his father or his father mm-hmm. figure, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, he's cool. He wears a cool jacket and shoots guns and has this this mask. So I, I think that's a character ready to pop. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, yeah. I feel like Red Hood is huh. is a character that in the next few years, you've got a generation of kids growing up who, you know, also are getting these things different than we did. You know, they're getting them through the video games and the mm-hmm. movies and yeah. the TV shows, totally. which, by the way, doesn't make them less fans. I actually think in some ways makes them more fans. They're so caught up in these characters. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, like my son is we play this game, which if I brought him with you would have been an interesting challenge. I have to pre-warn you. He has beaten some pretty big Batman people. Miss. He does the Batman villain game. Okay. Where you go around and everyone names a villain till you can't name villains anymore. London. Oh. He, he goes pretty deep. He yeah. goes deep nice. on the bench. And he's twelve and like he's been doing this since he's like eight, nine. But he plays Arkham Asylum. He play you know, he plays yeah. all the games and but I mean he'll throw things he'll bring characters out like Gentleman Ghost. You're like Gentleman Ghost. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> like <laughs> like he like yeah. you know that one, right, Lyndon? Awesome. Ragdoll. Yeah. <laughs> You're like yeah. Ragdoll. Calendar like, man. Calendar, calendar man. Yeah. Well, you, calendar yes. man is one of them. There you go. Yeah, it is. I remember all the calendar man <laughs> books. Yeah. I only know that because London told me about it. <laughs> London is an is an archive. This would be a matchup. Yeah. Of, that would uh, be fun. I would yeah. play that. Well, there. you let us know. I'll bring them over and you guys can oh, do that. Yeah. And then they yeah. could play, you could play at home. Mm, you know, know, how many villains that's can you so name? That's so fun. No, I would want to do that. Yeah. Batman I, villain but game. But I agree. I think so many fans now even if they don't read the comics they play the video games or yeah. they watch the films yeah. or they watch the the TV shows yeah. and you can love Batman and all of his mythology in all these different ways and and then, and I think that's why I talked about the comics a lot because yes. when people who are fans of the Nolan trilogy mm-hmm. and it's like oh well you know this comic inspired this and they're like oh I want to read that comic yes, now but yeah there are fans from all different walks of liking DC and Batman and I like the way that the DCE was kind of building up already because yeah. from Batman vs Superman and now Suicide Squad people people didn't know who Suicide Squad was they exactly. don't know most of those characters yeah. but now they're like oh I want to read this uh, <laughs> <laughs> but now like oh I want to read this and yeah. your your run is of course perfect for it and yeah. it's I really enjoyed this run actually because I and like you said Suicide Squad was kind of obscure a little bit mm-hmm. for, for a while yeah. and then it came back with the new 52 and I especially liked it because Harley's in it. I, I yeah. never really thought, oh, Harley can be in Suicide Squad, but there's been so many rotations of teams and everything. But yeah. it's very fun, and yes, it's one of my favorite runs out of New 52. So, Thank you, Linda. I yes, appreciate it. that. It's great, and I hope you do get to write uh, more. I know you, you might do some DC yeah. maybe in the future, but yeah. if you ever come back to Suicide Squad or Batman, if you can somehow. Uh, you know, it, my dream come true <laughs> if, the, if the comic gods Somewhere are listening. Somewhere you could write a Batman story, that would be great. Yeah. What's a Batman villain besides Joker and Harley that you would like really want to work on? If You, you know, I've always been a, a fan of Mr. Freeze. <gasps> nice. Yeah. I love Such his... an underrated character yeah. and you hardly get to see him. I think. And what a love story. You know, he's what a so beautiful... Good. He's one so of my... He's, good. We did a character spotlight on Mr. Freeze yes. where I geeked out. It yeah. was amazing. Yes. Yeah, he's got a great love story yeah, he's, he's great. another genius and brilliant and driven really by everything by yes. love you know yes where batman's been driven by anger so you know love oh, and hate the duality yeah. the duality Two sides of the know. same coin so, exactly yes. i love it um i miss uh when i was growing up they did earth one and earth two which i think mm-hmm. they've now gone back to right they went away from it, and now they're yeah, they're coming back to coming it. back. And I loved it because I always wanted to do the Batman story where he goes to Earth Two and he meets Huntress, who's technically his daughter, right? Yes. And he love learns it a, and <laughs> learns about the life he could have had. 
you know? Yeah. And it's not too late, she sort of tells them, but they work together on something, and he learns about Thomas Wayne, who married Catwoman on Earth, too. Yes. Selena Kyle, and it's like, you know, what, you know, once again, sort of the, the what if, yeah. like, world that you live in, and if you make certain choices, this could be your life. And, like, maybe he's coming up on that, like, point where things changed for Earth 2 Batman, and so he comes back and he has to decide, does he decide to travel that road or not? That would be so good. <laughs> I want Batman to find love. <laughs> Me, too. We've, we've yes. argued this. We've talked about him and his love interests and his past with that. It's just, it's it's a little heartbreaking yeah. because it's even though he vies for it and wants it, he can't, he's almost like he can't, he can't have it or he yeah. can, almost has to turn away for justice in a way and kind of has to, he goes more to the cape and the cow over his heart. And mm-hmm. It's a little heartbreaking and you well, want a, him to find love, but it's like, you need to be Batman too. Yeah, and can and, he do both? Well, and to me, that's what always has been awesome about Selena Kyle. Because if you're gonna be with somebody, who would better understand and know? <laughs> this is our this is our age old debate. I argue Talia, but I yeah. understand where you're coming but from. But no, I agree. Yeah, well, he already has a kid with Talia, so at least all the kids are. This in the is same what I'm family. saying. <laughs> <laughs> Until Grant Morrison totally destroyed it. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> okay. Well, if people listening want to follow you and what yes. you're working on now and everything where can they find you um i'm on twitter at adam glass 44 nice. so follow yes. me at adam glass 44 um it's me like in a boxing pose so, <laughs> sweet that, that's who i yeah exactly uh my kids laugh every time they see that picture. <laughs> <laughs> you're not that tough daddy um so there, there's that and uh that's really it like i don't okay. that's sort of my Social media so presence. Everyone flock to Twitter. Adam Glass forty four. <laughs> Adam Glass forty four. Remember that in your head. Adam Glass forty four. Um, so and yeah. I'm excited to read what you're working on now that you talked. Oh, thank you. Yeah, podcast. please check it out. Yes. Hopefully they're selling it here at Meltdown Comics. I'd be very surprised if they weren't. Yes. We, right. should, uh, yes. we should definitely check it. Yeah. Yes, come yeah. here for all of your comics. Yeah, come on down to Meltdown. <laughs> Meltdown's the 7522 best. 7522 Sunset Boulevard. Yes. And if you want Boulevard. to pick up Suicide Squad, you should come here. And if they don't have it, order it. Just they'll get it for you. Well, I could sign a couple and you guys could have them here. Yes. Yeah. That would be great. And we That'd actually awesome. will be giving away a copy of Adam Glass's uh, Suicide Squad and signed by him so i will have all those details for you guys on uh, probably instagram which you can follow me on instagram at history of the batman and on twitter at hist of the batman so definitely get opportunity to have this uh uh trade paperback signed by the writer which is amazing so thank you for that thank you thank for you so much yes and thank you for coming on the show and oh. talking about Suicide Squad and Harley and the awesomeness that is this run. It is so fun, and I'm I'm glad you got to do these characters. And I'm glad that you said I want to do Harley because I had no idea yeah. that you were like I would like to put her in this run because it fits perfectly. So thank you. No, thank you so much, <laughs> and thank you for doing this for Batman because huh. uh, as a Batman fan, I am happy that uh, people continue to love him and, and and grow my son is a huge batman fan and i think it's the greatest gift i could pass on to him cool thank you besides love of course <laughs> and speaking of love <laughs> london peace love and batman